The next time you're on Interstate 80, stop in and see the folks at the Iowa 80 Truck Stop at Exit 284 in Walcott, Iowa. They're always open and ready to serve you. Enjoy a sit-down meal at the Iowa 80 Kitchen or grab a bite from one of their nine quick-serve restaurants. You'll love their clean restrooms, huge gift store, beautiful convenience store, and, of course, the Super Truck Showroom stocked with plenty of chrome, lights, and more. While you're there, don't forget to visit the Iowa 80 Trucking Museum next door. It's free. The entire team at the Iowa 80 is very excited to celebrate 60 years with you. They look forward to being your home away from home for another 60 years. Sending you a giant thank you from Iowa 80, the world's largest truck stop on I-80, exit 284 in Walcott, Iowa. Iowa 80. It's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. Hello and welcome. He is Gary McNamara. I'm Eric Harley. Welcome to a very special Friday. It's our final Red Eye Radio. Before we go on vacation, Gary, how are you? I'm on vacation now. There was really nothing going on yesterday. No, you know, it yeah, just, no. I was, it was funny because I just kind of took a drive and uh, out in the country yesterday. <laughs> I said, I'm going to turn the, the, all the news off and just turn the radio off. And I got back and I was like, yeah, nothing going on. So it was beautiful. I actually I did have to take a little bit of a drive and... I just love driving in the summer. It just feels like vacation if you're on a highway in the summer. Not in traffic, but <laughs> when you get out of the traffic, it feels a bit like vacation. And I'm looking forward to doing some driving next week with all my grandkids in the car. Now, I now you'll like what I was doing yesterday because I told you the other, I think I told you the other day that uh, you know I've uh, problems where you know my air conditioning is going down the mm-hmm. you know the emergency drain yeah which means the primary drain is plugged right it's like well I got to solve this and yeah. uh, you know you can use I we were talking about the other day use bleach use vinegar whatever to pour it down mm-hmm. well I'd use I'd use the the uh, the bleach because it's just more effective for whatever my problem is whether it's calcium or whether it's mold or whatever that gets in there right bleach, slime yeah that kind of bleach stuff. always works better for me and then yeah. then the, uh, the so. I tried it the other day and everything was fine. I went back out today and it was there, but I was prepared. Yeah, and I found it on found it on Amazon. I didn't even know it existed. Now I do have one. I do have one for the for uh, a different kind of tool, but I have one for the toilet. Like I don't use Drano or stuff like that, or snakes. I've got that contraption that you actually pump it full of air. Mm-hmm. And yeah. there's this little bladder that goes right into the toilet bowl, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you click the button, and you can put it up to about you know thirty, forty psi, and mm-hmm. it's got a bladder in, mm-hmm. and so this bladder, when you hit it, expands, mm-hmm. and it you know shoots the air right down. Well, they've got that same sort of thing 
for, I found it the other day. I said, I'm just going to have this just for preparation, and I used it, little CO2 cartridges. And you put it right, You you. it's got this little seal that goes right on there, mm-hmm. and you go, Foof. Yeah. It goes, Foof. Yeah. Oh, okay. It seems like it's clear. Right. <laughs> so that was my day yesterday getting and. If there was ever a day not to go into your attic, mm, yeah, it was yesterday. And, and everybody up north, yes, because we don't have basements. Uh, many of our air conditioners the, the and furnace is actually in the attic. And the last thing you want is any leak because you don't want it coming through your I've had that happen uh, multiple times, actually. Um, and it is not good. Uh, I actually was on vacation one time, and my sister-in-law was house sitting and she didn't call us because she didn't want to give us the bad news <laughs> so i come home and uh there it is and uh i'm like what happened she goes i didn't want to ruin your vacation she goes i i knew you were gonna have to fix it one way or the other and so i was like okay um so, <laughs> i was like fine okay fine <laughs> so uh i ended up having to to build one of the one of the things is um that's uh, the evaporator co- coils and the and the um, and the heater and everything. The furnace are are up in the attic on on that one unit, and so I had to have them build a custom metal pan, the drip pan, for the entire length of the box because before I replaced it, that box was sweating in certain places, so it was just dripping down. Oh wow! Okay. And um, and then it it uh, it got into one area and then just kind of concentrated and came through the ceiling. So. I spent, uh, was it the other day? It was uh, Wednesday, I think it was. Wednesday, I went out and cleaned my condenser coils outside. There's a foam you can get that kind of breaks down the dirt on the outside unit, you know, so you spray it on there. It, it's actually made for the evaporator coils, the inside coils, mm-hmm. uh, in up, you know, if you have them in your attic or where you have them. And, uh, and it, it helps to uh, kind of open those up and, and keep that air flowing. And I had to do that on. Uh, I did that for the for the uh, condenser coils on on Wednesday, it, because. It, and I thought to myself, you know, I I did it. I think I did it in February, or March maybe, and I thought, okay, I need to get back out there. And because with all the lawn mowing and the gardening and everything else, and the on the one unit, there's just dirt flying all the time, and you, you just got to keep that clean. If you want. Cold air in Texas. You got to make sure you maintain that equipment. Uh, yeah, so I was, you know, doing that and trying to, you know, pay attention to all the uh, the the analysis and and in the media. And when I when I would, let's put it this way: the analysis of the media, they really never hit the legal things at all. It's all it gets to be emotion well, it, from yeah, the left. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. and uh, the the only thing well, I'll tell you one thing that I was disappointed in. In the in the affirmative action ruling, is as soon as I saw that as soon as I saw the decision was based on the Fourteenth Amendment, yeah, the Equal Protection Clause, mm-hmm. and I went, okay, now wait a minute. Remember the gay marriage ruling? Mm-hmm. The gay marriage rulings changed the Equal Protection Clause. Now the protection still remains the 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 same, but it was basically changed to equal treatment of the law. Mm-hmm. Equal treatment, not equal protection. Right. Which meant every group must or everybody must be treated exactly the same. And that's, by the way, right. that's, and, that's and, the basis of many believing that the Supreme Court needs to review the gay marriage ruling. 
of saying this isn't that's not what the 14th Amendment says. Right. Right. But uh, but I'm looking at the current precedent mm-hmm. now mm-hmm. that that right. exists because of the Supreme Court ruling. Mm-hmm. And I was hoping that one of the conservative justices would say and I knew they wouldn't because they're, they're not going to look at that ruling and and say equal treatment under the law is what the Democrats put in for gay marriage. Yeah. So equal treatment has to apply to everybody across the board. You know, they they used basically the, you know, uh, the, the, the fact that Constitution doesn't allow any type of racism whatsoever. Mm-hmm. But I was hoping, I didn't know how they would try to finagle it in, because if they could finagle it in, because my entire hope, and we said this during the whole gay marriage ruling, said, okay, they've changed the 14th Amendment because people are treated unequal, equally all the time and groups are treated unequally all the time. Uh, for example, that's, that's, how, that's how they justify higher taxes for people that make more money. Well, we're treating everybody in this particular group alike, and it would be that economic group. You're being treated the yeah. same because you're in, and therefore we can tax you. But under what in the gay marriage ruling, because it was you before that it was equal protection under the law, which meant after the Civil War in the in the judicial system, excuse me, in the criminal justice system or even in the civil litigation system, you had to be treated the same. You know, that was really what that was about at that time. And the fact that the Bill of Rights applied to uh, uh, blacks that were slaves as it did anybody else in the country. Mm-hmm. That was really the focus on it. And the gay marriage ruling changed that to equal treatment under the law, which means the government needs to treat because marriage is a licensing process. Mm-hmm. Some may view it as a benefit. Some may view it as a, 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 a you know, a, 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 a benefit. Many don't, uh, but <laughs> may view it as, as a benefit or a licensing process. And so it's not about the judicial system. It's about how you treat people. It's like, well, all groups have to be treated the same there. And we're like, okay, fine. Well, I was hoping that the conservatives would focus in on that so we could get to my dream. Because I think, I believe I said when the gay marriage ruling passed, uh, all right. (laughs) Let's approve gay marriage as long as you're consistent on this, liberals, and on taxes Everybody pays the exact same amount. And I was, I'm hoping, my hope is all, has always been that somebody's going to look at that eventually. Yeah. And we're the only ones that ever talked about that. I don't think anybody has ever talked about that at all, how the gay marriage ruling might apply, you know, if you're saying to yourself, well, why should I pay the same amount in taxes? The gay marriage ruling changed the 14th Amendment where it's equal treatment under the law, not equal protection. Mm-hmm. So everybody needs to pay the exact same amount in taxes. That's what I'm hoping for. And I didn't get any help from the conservative justices yesterday. <laughs> yeah, no, um, that might uh, that might come down the uh, the road. I don't think it's it's I think it's going to be the reverse. If there's any review of uh, the gay marriage ruling, it's going to be. Uh, that they go back and say, well, it's a dangerous precedent to say equal treatment because then you do apply it to exactly that. You're going to have to apply it to a lot of things. Um, In terms of what the universities are going to do going forward, I don't know that I expect much of anything to change. If you think about the liberal uh, campuses in America, while officially they're not allowed to do it, I don't think much is going to change in their mindset. But, you know, Charles Payne on Fox News 
uh, made a point uh, yesterday afternoon. Uh, if you don't know, Charles Payne is black. And he said this can be, can be an opportunity for black families because there needs to be a greater focus. I think there has been. Uh, I would I would kind of um, uh, debate uh, uh, Charles on that. Maybe he, maybe he, he wouldn't debate. Maybe he would accept that point. But you and I have watched this um, uh, over the years, families, including black families, who have looked for a, a stronger educational process from the beginning to make sure that their kids are getting the best education mm-hmm. possible. And we talked about that in certain states where the Obama administration uh, went, uh, wanted to go to court. In fact, they withdrew, I think, the one lawsuit, or they were going to file, and they, they didn't. I, I can't remember if they actually did sue the state. But the voucher programs are, you know, the what they see, yep. the let liberals see as the death knell. And you had uh, families all over America that are looking for their kids to get better educations. And so to Charles Payne's point, you know, he said, look, you know, the, the focus needs to be on the education from day one so that by the time they get to the college age and they're applying for college, uh, these these kids, uh, the kids well, of color can can go to any college that they want to go to because they've done the work they put the work in. Well, that's, and that's what it really is should well, be about. Look, I, I think that that's a great point to make, because as we know, the monopoly of the teachers union on public schools in this country is completely and totally unacceptable. Mm-hmm. And where it does the most damage is in liberal cities. And most liberal cities are uh, the minorities that would be minorities uh, uh, defined across the United States are the majority in those cities. And they're not being served properly. And so it's a great point to say, because when you look at it, what the left is saying is we don't care. You know, we don't care because they do everything to fight charter schools. Right. Also, there was a couple of uh, studies out the other day how well private Catholic schools and charter schools are actually doing right now mm-hmm. as a percentage, you know, a, a, right. as, to, as yeah. to where they are. And so opening that up and ensuring that everyone in the cities of this country get a proper, edu- you know, get a proper education uh, is extremely important. But it's interesting that... The left doesn't seem to ever care about that whatsoever to try to improve the schools in the inner city, yet they wish that colleges will take students in who don't have the grades to get in because of the liberal failure in the cities, and which, that's is, which is a great point by by Mr. Payne. Yeah, I, I thought so. And, and you know, we go back, wasn't it Atlanta where they found that certain uh, teachers and administrators were getting together, they would actually get together in the evening and change the the scores and answers. It was a great oh, yeah, changing yeah, yeah, yeah. party is what they that. called yes, it. Yeah. I don't know if that wow. was a media term, by the way, or if they called it that themselves, but they wanted to change those standardized, the standardized tests for those students in order to have it reflect better on their school system. Now, that's an isolated incident, but it, it is indicative of the mindset of individuals who don't want your kids to have to work for anything. We should give them a passing grade simply for being there. Well, you know, you you think about it. The interesting thing about this entire thing is much of the discrimination when you look at the Ivy League schools are a minority that are more of a minority than blacks. Yeah. 
and that is Asian Americans yeah, that only make right. up five, little over five and a half percent of the right. American population. Right. The you look at some of the major discrimination cases that have been brought up, and right. it's against Asian Americans. Yep. Yeah. That's an interesting thing that the liberals conveniently didn't bring up yesterday. Right. But we'll talk more about that and uh, the other. Were you surprised that it was nine zero on the post post? I was that it 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 sends it back down to the lower courts, but I was surprised that it was a unanimous decision. Well, but by what the liberals agreed to, because what but that basic ruling. Well, we'll get to that coming up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's very interesting. If I I started out right now, we'll we'll go another hour. And student loans. That one. That case still. That that opinion still yet to be issued, uh, but likely will be. In fact. Most believe it will be later today. 86690 Red Eye. Every driver knows the cost of replacing tires is a major expense. What if you could save on tire costs without sacrificing performance or safety? Consider retreads, a sustainable, cost effective way to rack up your miles. When talking retreads, sometimes there's worry when it comes to wear. But just because the tread is worn on a tire doesn't mean the casing is. Quality casings can far outlive their original tread. And once they're on your vehicle, the tread on a retread can last just as long or longer than the tread on a new tire. The key to preserving casings, whether new or retreaded, is regular tire maintenance checks. This report is brought to you by Shell Rotella. Shell Rotella, with advanced synthetic technology, is designed to help keep your rig running with more mileage and less maintenance. Coming up, more with Gary McNamara and Eric Harley. It's Red Eye Radio. And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just Something I've Noticed, bargain hunting is back. I mean, bargain hunting's always been around. We always love a great deal. But man, everywhere you look, people are bargain hunting. You know, there's so many great ways to find great deals. Hey, I have a great find in your bargain hunting journey. Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price that's a real bargain when you use the code CPREDEYE. That's the letters CPREDEYE, all one word, for 15% off your stay at Motel6.com. That is a bargain. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara. You know, one of the interesting things, uh, and I just want to go back here to the 
affirmative action. And and by the way, we'll probably be jumping back and forth as thoughts get through our you know come through our mind. And uh, we'll hit the the uh, the postal office, the nine nothing decision on religious freedom, and and the impact that that might have. I don't. I'm, there's a lot of things I don't think the left has thought about what the left agreed to in that. But uh, I, I thought it was interesting how it was brought up that the the uh, the Grutter decision in 2003 that the majority was signed by Sandra Day O'Connor that said there has to be a sunset on all of this. It eventually affirmed, even though they they kept with the fact that race can be a factor. Now, even in the Grutter decision, it could not be the only factor. Right. Yeah. You know, it could right. be a factor among right. many factors to be taken into consideration. Mm-hmm. And this court felt that they weren't even applying that right. in in, uh, in, the, in in this particular case of universities that were part of it, Harvard, and I forgot who else the other one. Right. It doesn't matter. Uh, North Carolina, mm-hmm. University of North Carolina and, and, uh, and, and Harvard. But they, they went and even talked about the fact that you know, in uh, there, the part of the problem is in Harvard and in uh, uh, University of North Carolina, there was no sunset provision, and that was part of the. De- now, it wasn't part. She didn't. She didn't say it had to be in twenty five years, uh, but she said in twenty five years, the uh, she suggested the use of racial preferences will no longer be necessary to further the interest in diversity, mm-hmm. and that was in the last decision, which meant even. The, the the liberals that signed on to that, the justices, even agreed to the fact that this eventually has to end. The majority decision said it eventually has to end, and I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. It didn't mandate it. Right, right, yeah. And the, and the problem with doing something like that is you're saying that discrimination is okay constitutionally for a temporary period where that exists nowhere in the Constitution. Exactly. Exactly. It it creates that, you know, affirmative action created its own force of its own form of racism. Right. It was. Uh, by the way, yes, it was Atlanta. One hundred and seventy eight teachers and administrators changed answers to increase test scores. Wow. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. The Bonus Show. It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Hurley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Uh, and uh, reading here from SCOTUS blog, uh, Justice so- uh, Sotomayor, a graduate of Princeton and Yale Law School, who was one- once called herself the perfect affirmative action baby, dissented in an opinion that was joined by Justices Elena Kagan and Justice Jackson. Now, the point that I wanted to uh, bring up here is Justice Jackson, uh, and if Justice Jackson is agreeing with Sotomayor that she is also, you know, an example 
of affirmative action. You can see the problem with affirmative action when it lets people slide through in an education. You know, you mentioned the thing in Atlanta, Mm -hmm. because think about it. Justice Jackson got all the way to the Supreme Court. Uh, We know that she was chosen strictly because of her color Mm -hmm. and her sex. Mm -hmm. And to show you how it's bad when affirmative action allows you to slide through and not live up to certain standards, we have a Supreme Court uh, justice that doesn't even know how to define what a woman is. She doesn't even know what a woman is. Right. She had how many opportunities, by the way, during that questioning, during the confirmation process that she was asked, and she didn't answer the question. And and if if you don't, how can you not recuse yourself from any case that, that... Involves right. a, a female. She she isn't qualified to be a Supreme Court justice based apparently on the fact that affirmative action just let her slide right through where she can't even tell you what a woman is. Right. Talk about unqualified. Right. I've been waiting all day to say that. <laughs> all day I've been waiting because for that. Because we know that she knows <laughs> yes. what a woman yes. is. Yes, she <laughs> Yes, we know she knows. What she a woman had every is. opportunity to say it, but couldn't right. and won't. Right. It just uh, it, that just shows how radical uh, she is. But yes, we we understand she knows what a woman is, mm-hmm. but that's too juicy not to because you could actually use that in a legal standpoint. Well, if, she didn't because answer could, the question. Right. So if you are to read it, if you're to read the transcript, yes, from the confirmation hearing out loud, then. What I mean, historians down the road, if they review it without any if walking into it without any knowledge of the tone or anything else, and you just read the transcript, she's not capable of answering the question, which we believe she is. Yes. Now the uh, the other case with the uh, the the postal worker uh, yeah. who, when he got the job, didn't have to work Sundays, and then when the post office, he, uh, he was part time, I believe, right? Yeah, he yeah. yeah he was he was right. part time, right. and uh, um, and uh, when he got the job, didn't have to work Sundays, right? And so right. he took the job because he didn't have to work Sundays. And then when he started delivering Amazon, uh, he said, "No, it's a you know it's against my uh, against my religion, a Christian. Right. You believe Sunday should be reserved for rest and uh, and and worship, mm-hmm. unless you're in sports, uh, and uh, mm. or talk radio because." Sunday's actually a work day. Yeah, we actually work on Sunday. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Uh, But um, uh, that case was 9-0, and that was really based on, you know, that that the whole accommodation thing. You know, what is it an undue hardship? And they went into the minutia, and this is where the opinion comes in. Mm -hmm. And the opinion comes in on both sides. Right, because who can define what a undue hardship or reasonable is? Right, and right. in in this case, it was nine nothing. Everybody agreed that it wasn't unreasonable. In fact, right. what was the? Uh, I'm trying to think that the. Um, what is the the word that they actually? Um, what they actually used here? The question of whether. Uh, of when additional costs constitute an undue hardship, receive relatively little attention, Alito stressed, and although the court's opinion uh, in the in the precedent indicated that it would be an undue hardship to require 
this is a an, another case, an airline to bear more than minimal cost in order to give, uh, this is another one, Hardison Saturdays off to observe the, sa- the Sabbath, uh, Alito reasoned that was not necessarily intended as an author- authoritative separation or interpretation of what it means for something to be an undue hardship. To the contrary, Alito noted elsewhere in Hardison, the court indicated three times that an accommodation is not inquired when it entails substantial cost or expenditures. But they also looked at it, and, you know, again, this is all about the undue hardship or hardship or whether it's just a just a small burden, and they viewed this as a small burden. Well, that's what so, Alito, in, in fact, uh, he was explaining that the courts since Hardison have interpreted the phrase undue hardship to mean any effort or cost that is more than de minimis. Right. In other words, you know, the, the least. The least, right. And, and so... What the court, what the high court was saying here is that courts have to go back and, and that standard is can no longer apply. It, it needs to be uh, the, it needs to be demonstrated by the employer that it is uh, clearly a hardship. Significant cost increase uh, is is incurred by accommodating this religious belief of this employee. And I thought I, I, I just again. Opinions as to defining what is reasonable or not reasonable yeah. can vary among people. I just I that's well, I, I thought to the, your point. Right. Yes, I, and I think that's why it's going to be. I don't know where the the lower courts will go with this, or the courts in general. They also m- mentioned the courts in general as they review cases like this. And I thought, well, it still leaves it open. I know it has to be a case by case basis, right? If you're working every Sunday and then all of a sudden you say, well, uh, now, and let's say, I don't know, uh, let's say you're Chris Wallace and you're doing uh, Fox News Sunday. And then all of a sudden you say, well, um, I have just uh, uh, converted in my religion or whatever it may be. Um, and, uh, I am, or I've become a born again Christian and I no longer want to work Sundays. And it's like, but you host Fox news Sunday, the show, unless we pre-recorded on Saturday, the show is on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Everything that you do is on Sunday. So you're just going to have to go to CNN. And <laughs> we believe that's what happened. No, that's a joke. Um, <laughs> <laughs> where they would clearly accommodate your religious preferences. Where, where they're atheists, so <laughs> every yeah. day of the week is the same. So. Well, exactly. <laughs> so Fox, you're not, so not going to get that CNN off. News Monday, this new show that they're doing. <laughs> no, but, um, but you know, something like that would be, okay, that's an undue hardship, right? Right. Well, um, well what, what and, and in this case, what I would, and we had said it because we had analyzed it, I said, I just don't see the court, especially when you're working part time. Mm-hmm. And part time, it's like, were, were you given specific hours? Right. Uh, was it now the one thing we had said? He didn't have to work Sundays. That was not a part of it, and there was no indication working Sundays would be a part of it. Right. So he fit in. The other point was, and we'd say to the time, it's a matter of opinion and interpretation. And the Supreme Court wasn't even willing to take, you know, define that precisely. Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. sent it back to the lower courts. Well, you sort of figured this out, but it, right. you yeah. know, it's but uh, you've you've got to you've got to give us. Uh, you know, there needs you, to be a stronger st- standard a stronger for standard. undue hardship. Now, That's basically right. the ruling. Now, here's my point. 
Where's the all, threshold? <laughs> well, where's the threshold when it yeah. comes to baking a cake? Right. Or not not just baking a cake, mm. because the, 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 the same liberals that signed off mm-hmm. on this mm-hmm. would also say it's an unreasonable accommodation if somebody, you know, and I think it was, uh, you know, the, the gay marriage thing, you come in, mm-hmm. they'll bake you a cake, but they won't sign it because it's against their religion. Right. But they will bake you a cake and they will tell you all the different places, you know, just down the street, around the corner, a mile away that will do it. Mm -hmm. How can those how can those liberal justices who rule that this guy doesn't have to work Sundays? Yeah. That, you know, because it's an unreasonable accommodation to make him say that, say that the baker must or the artist, or the photographer, or whatever, must uh, accommodate when they've actually been helpful and said, well, you can go to this person, or this person, or that person, Mm -hmm. and they'll actually make you the cake, Mm -hmm. what they want. Yeah, they're not turning away gay customers, to be clear. Right, right. They're not turning away gay customers at, at, at all. It's simply, we're not going to, because of our religion, write something on it. Right. Because then... That speech at that particular point, right. or if yeah. you're a photographer or whatever, because right. this is a point, these photographers would say, we do Christian weddings, or we do websites for Christian weddings. Yeah. No, you must accept anything that, that comes your way. Well, specifically, you know, that's what we're, you know, that's what we're about. We are a religious, we're doing this business based on our religion, we'll tell Anybody where they can go to get their website done will help them out with it, but we're not going to do that. And so, when I saw it was nine nothing, but and I know I understand liberal justices will have one opinion on one and completely different on the other. Yeah, Uh, Yeah. it's not reasonable. It's not reasonable here, but it's reasonable there. Right, and it's like, well, you know, I don't know how you do that, but that was the one thing I thought of. Does it show their legal hypocrisy? No, I, I think that's a great point. I think it absolutely does, um, because that's unreasonable uh, when there was you, you look at the accommodation made by the the store owner or the whoever's doing the service. And, you know, that doesn't apply there, but it applies here. Right. Why is that? Um, look, if if the guy had gone to work for the Sunday only delivery company. <laughs> Sorry. That would be an unreasonable right. accommodation. But forever, USPS, no Sunday delivery. I'm right. still kind of, it's still kind of weird. Uh, actually, uh, Father's Day. I <laughs> uh, ordered something for my dad, and sure enough, it was from Amazon, because Amazon's using USPS, and they're doing a lot of Sunday deliveries. That's actually how this came about. Uh, but I ordered something for my dad, and we were at dad's house, and his mailman pulls up. My dad's like, what is the mailman doing on a Sunday? And not just Sunday, but Father's Day. I said, mm, he might have something for you. And uh, so, but forever, there was no Sunday delivery. So for somebody to take a part-time job, uh, USPS, um, it's a good gig. Um you know, you, you want to, and even part-time, it's a good gig. And then the question is, can they accommodate 
And if he's only part-time, my question, you know, ultimately would be, aside from this case, all right, again, what we just asked, where is that threshold? Well, he's part-time, which tells me he has a full-time job. So let's say another person said, well, I only came in to work Saturdays, right? Right. Part-time, I only want eight hours a week or something. Um, Then now it's, oh, well, it's Saturdays and or Sundays. You're going to work one of those two days to get your eight to ten hours or whatever you're working part-time. Again, it just gets back to the what is, because I don't think, I don't know that the court can define that that Re- threshold. Well, what is what is well? What's reasonable depends on what business you're in, too. Exactly. That's there is there is no one right. case that's going to set a precedent on that threshold for that threshold. Except if everybody quiet quits, yeah, and then just quits, right. then we don't have to worry about that because nobody's in the labor. Well, if they're in the, quiet quitting the labor force Monday anymore. through Saturday. There's no way they're not quiet quitting on Sunday. Uh, funny story, Mike. Can you quiet quit on Sunday Mike, as a religion <laughs> and claim your religion? I said to my uncle one time because he was talking about, well, today is a, a Sunday is a day of rest, and I was staying the night with with my cousin. And I said, well, you're working today. He's a pastor. He was. He's a retired mm-hmm. pastor now. I said, well, you're working today. He says. He looks at me. He says, I'm doing the Lord's work. I kept my mouth and, shut after and that. And so are we when we have to work Sunday. We're saving the world. <laughs> yes. Red Eye Radio sure saving we are. the world. Yeah, you believe that. <laughs> <laughs> Will the Supreme Court accept that argument? 866-90-RED-EYE. Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Good morning and uh, and welcome. Uh, uh, by the way, just uh, as a note, I forgot to mention it, and, and I knew it, and thanks for reminding me during the break here, but the Colorado web design. Yeah, that case and student that, loans right. are left now. And, and so, but that is tomorrow. And so it'll be interesting to see how the liberal justices, when they've just said, well, you know, that, uh, you know, they're sent, they sent back the postal case, because the web designer case is about freedom of religion and also freedom of speech. Right. That's actually a twofer. Right. This case was freedom of religion and what should be a reasonable accommodation. Mm-hmm. will be right. interesting to see how the liberal justices rule on that one and whether there is any type of legal consistency that comes from them. Right. I would expect they would try to separate. The difference would be a business that serves a public versus an employer who is supposed to accommodate an employee. I'm guessing they'll try and go that route. I don't even know if they will mention it. Top of the Hour News is brought to you by House Products. Visit HouseProducts.com. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. All across the USA and around the world, he is Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara. Good morning. Download our app today. 
listen when and where you want if you can't listen live overnight. Oh, the name of the app? Red Eye Radio app. Yeah, pretty simple. Yeah. We're trying to keep it simple. Uh, before we get to some other things, uh, for example, I think this is bigger than, it may be bigger, uh, unless he changes his mind now uh, on it, but Biden's saying he's not big on abortion. Oh, and says terminations in the last three months have to be negotiated. Oh, uh, uh, we'll we'll get to that coming up here in uh, in a little bit. And yeah, we know uh, he was talking about the Constitution, and then he related a sentence from the Declaration of Independence uh, yesterday. And then you see him just walking off the set. Okay, at MSNBC, if, if just, that if that had been at Fox News, I'd go. Okay, I kind of get it it's still all right whatever but it was a softball interview at msnbc well he wasn't a it wasn't angry. no no just, no no, yeah. no no so yeah that's the point if 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 he's walking off going okay this interview's over right at fox news i'm going all right fine i mean i get it i, I understand what the uh, we're done here this is him just wandering off a softball interview at MSNBC, yeah. he's just kind of wandering off the set. Right. I mean, it was the end of the interview, but yeah. when they sit there and they're saying goodbye, you don't get up and walk away. Yeah. You sit there until the right. segment's over. You go into right. commercial. Right. You know, you may, as, you as, let them as, as the music saying, uh, as the, there may be uh, music playing and they turn off the mics and you have the friendly banter back and forth. Well, and he looks, right. he looks lost. Yeah, he did. Because yep. he's just wandering. He's just, I mean, he is walking you know, know, toward the, uh, he's yep. walking uh, around her and then, you know, behind her. And, but he appears to be lost. Uh, yeah, that was just, it was weird. I know, it really, really was. Also coming up, ah, I got to do it now. I right. I can't wait for this one All because right. I've been waiting for it. I yeah. said it probably, t- remember I said two weeks ago, where's where are the stories about Kaepernick coming back? And then we joked that it's going to be, 2080. The year is 2080. Colin Kaepernick still. Why aren't they giving him a chance in the NFL? Stories back again. Colin Kaepernick determined to resume NFL career and overcome the political bias against him. (laughs) Okay, fine. (laughs) Published in Sports Illustrated. And so we knew the story was going to come up. And it's like, yeah. Has a backup quarterback ever made a comeback at the age of 35? I don't know. Maybe uh, I'm trying to. <laughs> I mean, George Blanda was a kicker, but I'm going back to the old American football league. I mean, I mean, he was a kicker, but he played. Uh, he was a backup quarterback, and I think he played. Until he was like 48, so I don't know if he ever got cut and then got picked up again. Yeah, right. <laughs> but that was then, and this is now. Yeah, yeah. You right. don't have, yeah, yeah. you know, even, you know, you look at, um, uh, uh, you know, uh, Brady is an anomaly. He was just, you know, something about Brady was just, <laughs> you find Point zero 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 one percent of the population of the world that could do what he did. Yeah. So I like the. I think this is the original headline. They changed it. I think at Outkick, 
Yeah. Colin Kaepernick makes delusional claim about NFL return. <laughs> <laughs> but when you click on the story, it says Colin Kaepernick still trying to play in the NFL, claims he's viewed as an elite player, an elite player in quotes, in quotation marks. Uh, at, at over there at Outkick, but uh, yeah, that's um, I like the I like the original headline better. Um, but you know, <laughs> it, it's it, it's what he's doing is he's making the protest. The headline should be Colin Kaepernick protests once again. You know, teams aren't going to. I'm going to prove that all the teams are racist and biased. Because I'm going to announce my return, and none of them are going to hire me. Yeah, he's setting up the protest. Yeah, he's this is what he's doing. Yeah. He's a professional protester. Well, it was it was uh, we loved it. What was it? A week ago, ten days ago, when he came out and said, "Well, yeah, my book. Of course, I, I, uh, I, I had to get uh, advice from communists and social and Marxists uh, because uh, uh, you know what I believe can't exist." Yeah. We can't have true equality unless we have a Marxist society. And I was so happy that he said that because remember, we got we got some pushback back, you know, those years ago, twenty fifteen, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Was it twenty fifteen or twenty sixteen? I think it was, was twenty fifteen. No, maybe it was twenty sixteen because Trump wasn't president yet. I don't believe, or was it twenty seventeen? I can't remember. Mm-hmm. Well, whatever it was, mm-hmm. <laughs> we don't need to go through the minutia. Uh, of it, you and I said immediately what's being lost in all of this because he just is doing no, he's a Marxist, and we said it back then, and we got some you know we got some blowback on it. You guys are reading way too much into it. Yeah, the kneeling was in the 2016 season. Yeah, yeah, okay. You guys are reading too much into it. Well, we weren't. We Ma- weren't reading too much into it. By the way, many people believe that uh, uh, he single handedly cost. Uh, uh, Clinton, the election. <laughs> Throw that out for a liberal. Did you, did you ever hear that? Did you ever hear that? Was, the reason Trump won is because of Colin Kaepernick? Did, did, did you did you ever? I never heard. Did and the, you? the guys on Red Eye are pretty reliable. They're, I, I disagree with them, but they're pretty reliable. Yeah, they're, I just, that's. They won't argue things that are lies. I didn't, I didn't know he was to blame. Except the day before they go on vacation. Yeah. <laughs> and they're dr- drunk on the air. We're just lob stuff out. Yeah, we're drunk on bad coffee. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now um, what you're hearing is total sobriety. Yeah. Shows you how insane sobriety can be. Yeah. 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 Um, this, is what, this is what happens. But, yeah, we, and there's so much of Bob Ulinski back in the news. Uh, I just I love the headline. <laughs> Some of the commentary yesterday, one headline, New York City Mayor Eric Adams compares Holocaust survivor to plantation owner. And I'm sitting there thinking when it it was like some of the things on social media, you better understand who you're calling a plantation owner when you make that in a public setting. And you hope to God it's not a Holocaust survivor. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh, so we'll get to... uh, that the auto industry calls Biden's emission goals unreasonable mm. and a whole bunch of other there's just so much uh, out there. But I just wanted to hit one thing because I thought it was interesting what you said about the the postman. By the way, I got to watch that movie again. Uh, the postman Supreme Court uh, decision there, because I'd said, you know, we talked about uh, the uh, legal hypocrisy and you said 
you said that, well, probably the liberals will try to say there's a difference between an employee and an employer making a reasonable accommodation. They'll try to make this case than a uh, than a business making a reasonable accommodation. Mm-hmm. And Sounds I, like exactly. I can expect and, that from a right. liberal. And, and, yeah. and so my 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 thoughts were more of questions which would be, well, and I'm not, by the way, I'm not asking you because you're saying this is what you yeah, think not that they my were opinion. trying to do. I think, not I think this is what, the because, way they would go. Yeah, because the, the, the question would be, well, how do you do that? I mean, where does it exist in the Constitution right. that a, a employer must make a more reasonable accommodation than a business making a, re, a you know, a reasonable accommodation, uh, you know, to a, you know, to a, a customer? You know, where is, you know, where is that is freedom of speech and then adding freedom of religion, freedom of religion and then adding a freedom of speech. Is it different between a customer and a business owner? Because you're not talking about a publicly owned company. You're talking about a privately owned company Mm -hmm. with an individual. Mm -hmm. And and that would be the interest. I'm just making. Not an. I'm not arguing with you because you're not making the point. Mm-hmm. It's just those are the questions that I would challenge them with. Well, what because would, what would the why would why is there a difference? Because and because if you look at um, uh, previous cases where uh, a a smaller business has religious rights, right? If you look at the uh, what was it, the Michaels case, and that uh, those closely held beliefs apply there, then that to me would be the legal precedent um, because you're talking like with the web design uh, case, which the decision is expected sometime uh, Friday morning uh, would be extremely rare, by the way, for them to go into uh, July uh, with any decisions. And there are only two decisions left that one and, and student loans. Um, But if they, you know, when that comes down, um, I can I can see, and I'm guessing that's going to be five, four, six, three, because the web designer isn't saying, "Well, we won't serve anyone." It's about what we're going to do with our art, right? And the question is, is that protected? Is that protected for them? in terms of expression. And that's where I think the liberals get into and say, well, no, you must express something. And think about this mindset, though, because it applies everywhere. You need to, it used to be about acceptance, right? Then it was about, no, you need to march in our parade. Now silence is violence. So if your mindset that silence is violence, you're not marching in our parade. Not only do you need to allow us to have the parade, you need to be marching in the parade. You need to be the champion for our cause. Then you certainly would apply that in a legal setting, and that's what I would expect from them: is that well, they don't have the right to do that. But when, that would when, be that would be complete legal hypocrisy. Exactly from this last from this last decision, even though they didn't make the decision on a reasonable accommodation, mm-hmm. they didn't. You know, they didn't look at it and said, "Okay, it's." They did say it's unreasonable accommodation that 
the post office had against yeah. the worker. That's why it was it was really surprising that it was nine nothing. Yeah, because that's... I expected at least one of the, if not two or three, all three of the liberal justices to come back and say, "Well, wait a minute, no," because if we start this, then then anybody, every employee who has been working on a Sunday can then claim this religious exemption and force the employer to make those accommodations. Now, where they get the walk is that they sent it back down to the lower courts and they didn't set any precedent here and they didn't draw the line in terms of what is reasonable or unreasonable for an employer. And so they kind of skated on that. But still, I'm surprised that the liberal justices didn't make, didn't have a dissenting, not even one of them had a dissenting that said something to the effect of, well, wait a minute, we can't do that because uh, everybody then, and nothing would be running on Sunday. But then you got to keep in mind, it's also the same mindset that stores shouldn't be open on Thanksgiving Day, right? Liberals have been screaming for the, well, you shouldn't force them to work on Thanksgiving Day. You shouldn't be, you know, forcing this and you shouldn't, well, cops have to work on Thanksgiving Day and Christmas and New Year's Day and Sunday. Um, but, you know, this is the mindset of the liberal, the, the, the liberal group right. is, is, has basically come out and said, essentially, your religion doesn't apply when it comes to, to a business. And that's and, and, been there. And nowhere, that's been there. And nowhere in the Constitution does it. Which, right. Again, when you start talking about reasonable accommodation, it's based on individual opinions as mm-hmm. to what you view as reasonable. Mm-hmm. Remember, when you look at reasonable, you know, we and we have talked about the radical transgender activist movement that all reason is gone. But they don't believe that. They believe reason is telling a lie. Yeah. Right. And so. When you look at anything, what is a reasonable, uh, uh, you know, a, a, a accommodation or what is, uh, and again, that depends on the business you're in. This does not set an overall precedent at all. No, no. no it is no. I, the precedent it sets is for this particular case and a and a definition that every person that you ask would have a different opinion on. I think that's that could be the the reason why none of the liberal justices could could write legally that it that it it was unreasonable for the employer. I think they had to I think in this case because you can't where do you legally well draw that line case by case because if you look at this one the employee walked in gets the job, likely sought that job because they weren't going to work on Sundays. And then they started mm-hmm. working on Sundays. Right. So is it unreasonable for the employer to make accommodations for this employee? Uh, that's not unreasonable at all. 86690 Red Eye. Least owner operators should be aware of four common revenue myths, lest you fall into the trap of mistaking revenue for profit. Myth one, concentrate on increasing revenue because costs will take care of themselves. This is not true, as costs are fundamental to the profit equation and the area where owners exert the most control to improve. Myth two, more revenue per mile is the answer to all problems. Though carrier pay packages differ in structure, revenue per mile really doesn't change much from company to company. 
but there can be a big difference in miles, overall gross revenue, reimbursements, and fees. Myth three, all you have to do to be successful is run a lot of miles. In reality, revenue is only half of the profit equation. Costs are the other half. It's possible to generate a lot of revenue, yet spend a dollar ten to make every dollar. Myth four, you can tell how well you're doing by the size of your settlement check. The settlement check is only a part of the success picture. Miles driven, loads hauled, conditions, mechanical problems, time off, and especially costs all have to be considered. Owner-Operator Business 101 is provided by Shell Rotella with advanced synthetic technology. For more information, go to OverdriveOnline.com to the Overdrive's Partners in Business section of the website for more detail on Business 101 and many other topics. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll-free at 866-90-RED-EYE. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Uh, interesting because we uh, tomorrow is the uh, the student uh, loan, uh, the student loan debt, uh, you know, transfer. <laughs> uh, a case uh, probably will come down from the uh, Supreme Court. The only way I see that not being defeated is if they say no one had cause. And if no one had cause, I don't think they would have agreed to hear it in the beginning, in the first place. Yeah, if they didn't have standing, I, I think if, they would. I say? I, I'm yeah. standing. Yeah, thank yeah. you for using the yeah. correct terminology. I, would, I think it wouldn't be there. Right. Yeah. Um, and that those will be the two cases, the web design company and, and the student loan case. And both of them are pretty big. Um. I'm really anxious. Normally on Friday, especially starting a vacation, I go home and get a few hours of sleep right after the show, which is is rare. I only do it on Friday or if I'm starting a vacation because I'm trying to get things done mm-hmm. uh, later in the day. And those opinions will start hitting fairly early. So I'll have to get a short nap. You know, I wake up to it's like 830. I wake up and the first thing I see on Twitter is Jonathan Turley. Yeah. All right. 30 minutes, yeah. and he counts down, and yeah. yesterday was, yeah. ah, I got a speech to do today. Yeah. Roberts yeah. has to accommodate me better. He actually yeah. put that in. Roberts isn't accommodating me. Right, and, right. Yeah. Uh, but uh, that's what I normally see when Supreme Court decisions come down. Mm-hmm. I wake up, it's like, oh, Turley's the first thing that comes up on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, those two decisions will likely come down sometime today. America Studios. And he's Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Download our Red Eye Radio app today. Listen when and where you want if you can't listen live overnight. All right. I almost fainted when I read this story yesterday. Are you ready? No. Okay, now I'm ready. 
the United Auto Workers, the largest auto industry union representing more than 400,000 working and middle-class members, is withholding support for Joe Biden over his administration's actively funding the race to the bottom with the massive effort towards electric vehicles. In an internal memo, UAW President Sean Fain said the union will not be endorsing Biden until major commitments are made to protect jobs and high wages for American auto workers, both of which have been threatened by the White House's EV push. The unions have finally understood that when the government comes in and says, we want you to produce a product that, number one, the American public doesn't want. Uh, Once you produce a product that the American public doesn't want, can't afford, and our company would not be selling because they can't make a profit on it, that will mean, eventually, the destruction of our union. My God, the union leaders, are you telling me they've actually connected the dots after all these years? Yeah, I guess. We go all the way back to 2008 Mm -hmm. when the West Virginia coal miners endorsed Obama after he let them know his goal was to bankrupt the coal industry. Yeah. And they endorsed him. We went, what? So 15 years later, the UAW... If you're going to make it so the company that we work for is selling a product that the customer doesn't want, Mm -hmm. that the customer can't afford, and it can't make a profit, then eventually our jobs are going to be gone because the only reason the company's agreeing to it is because you're pumping them full of taxpayer dollars right now, and that's not going to last forever. And even with the taxpayer dollars, they're losing. Yeah, This cannot work. No. We want to see uh, national leadership have our back on this before we make any commitment. Uh-huh. Hey, learn to code. Yeah, come on, Jack. Serious. Dot, dot, dot. No dash, joke. Dash, dash, dash. Dot, dot, dot. SOS. Well, look, uh, remember uh, Gattlefinger back also around the same time? Uh, UAW, uh, was it 2008, 2009, somewhere in there? We need the, 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 the automotive OEMs to be profitable. We need them to be profitable. And, and this was after mm-hmm. they conceded on... The right. union conceded on something. I forget what it was, but they, they were like, look, it, in, in order to maintain the longevity of of the uh, the the union itself, we're going to have to have a more profitable company. Yeah. That's how it works. If If a union is going to exist in the private sector, then it needs to be in a profitable, profitable industry and attached to profitable companies within that industry. 
full stop. And as we know, that's the original, you know, when you look at the, when you look at, for example, you look back into the, you know, some of the great, uh, what are looked at as the great union movements of the United States, uh, you can look at, for example, the labor leader, George Meany, you can mm-hmm. look at FDR. Yeah. All of them were against government unions. Yeah. They were all against government unions. Why? Government doesn't make a profit and unions exist because the company isn't sharing the profits with them in a fair, what they view as a fair way. So they want negotiated wage negotiations for wages Mm -hmm. and they know they have more clout if everybody's in a union than doing it individually. That's basically the concept of a union. And the union concept cannot exist with what Democrats want, which is to produce products that the consumer doesn't want, can't afford, and does not make a profit for the company, even with the current massive subsidies yeah. from taxpayers. Right. Can't do it. Union leadership finally went, after 15 years, maybe the coal miners union <laughs> did the wrong thing there. And, you know, the union leaders are finally thinking, that might affect our mega six-figure salaries uh, if we don't do something. You think? All right, I'm not going to complain. At least it's at least it's a movement. At least it's a recognition from the unions that companies have to make profits. Well, no, I mean, it's it, it, the whole uh, comment by Gettelfinger back in the day didn't really gain much attention. We gave it attention then mm-hmm. um, because it was accurate. Then it was one time that union leadership then was being honest. And that's the way it has to work. You want those profits to soar. And you can fight for the benefits and the greater pay. You can fight for a number of things. But if the company's not there because they can't make a profit, then there's nothing to fight for. Then it also came out that the other side went after the federal government. The trade group representing nearly all major automakers offered its harshest criticism at the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency's aggressive proposal to sharply cut vehicle emissions through 2032, saying it is neither reasonable nor achievable. Well, that never stopped a good liberal. Yeah. The Alliance for Automotive Innovation which represents General Motors, Volkswagen, Toyota Motors, and others, called the proposal a de facto battery electric vehicle mandate. The EPA proposed in April cutting vehicle emissions by 56% over 2026 levels, forecasting the result uh, in 60% of new vehicles by 2030 being electric and 67% by 2032. EPA standards cannot be met without substantially increasing the cost of all vehicles, reducing consumer choice, and uh, giving us a disadvantage of major portions of the U.S. population and territory, the group said. Because that's what they're, they're, they're finally looking at it. They've finally woken up. Why? Look at the Ford numbers. One of the, one of the good things is Ford you know, basically saying, here's what this division is doing money-wise. Yeah. So with all of the subsidies that are given, 
you know, to electric vehicles, they still can't make a profit. And the cost of normal vehicles, the electric trucks, the research development of electric trucks and everything going on with the electric trucks and the selling of electric trucks only exist because of the high cost that people are willing to pay for gasoline-powered and diesel-powered vehicles. Mm -hmm. That's it. Yeah. Otherwise, they don't exist. Right. Can't happen. And so they're looking at the fact that if the government forces them to 67% of vehicles being, uh, you know, uh, being electric, when what is it now? 3%, 4%? Well, yeah. nobody, if right. nobody can afford electric vehicles right now, if only the well-off can, avoid, can afford electric vehicles right now, you increase it from 3 or 4% to 67% by 2032, and every single major automobile manufacturer goes belly up. Yeah. They're dead. Right. They're gone. And, and finally, the unions realize that. It's well, gotten so radical where the unions have said. Well, because we're, look, we're, we're at a point where, again, this is, this, is, this is the reality. It's not the abstract of, yeah, we're going to save the planet. Because the unions went along with that for the, the longest time. As we said, as you started out, 2008, West Virginia Coal Miners Union. Oh yeah, we're gonna we're gonna endorse the guy who's gonna take our jobs, and he did just that. Then in 2012, they didn't endorse anyone. They didn't even go. They wouldn't even go as far as to endorse the guy. It was Romney then. He didn't win, but they didn't go as far as to endorse the guy that would try and preserve their jobs. They right. just didn't endorse Obama any longer. They didn't endorse anyone, and it's likely because their membership dues dropped dramatically. Because of their shrinkage in the number of unions, uh, union members, I would have to look that up to, to be accurate there. But I'm guessing that might apply. It's just stupid. Then you look at it and go, eh, "What was the deal they were going to do with Colombia? Remember that?" And they said, "Well, we can't do the deal uh, because we can't be, you know, we can't get into the whole free trade thing." And it was going to be something that benefited the unions because it was going to be about the unions producing something that would be exported to Colombia. Oh, no, 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 no. That was the Colombia Free Trade Agreement. Right. Yes, yes. And yes. And, and it was. But it was going to benefit right, well, the U.S. jobs. Well, more. yes, it would have benefited. The, yes, it would yes. have. Because what the, was happening. Most of the production, well, a lot of well, the production was going to be here. What was happening is because the United States deal with Colombia because of the drug trade yeah. was to make it where. They put tariffs on all, you know, all American products going mm -hmm. into Colombia. Mm -hmm. Well, what happened was because of that, it was complete disaster. Right. I mean, it just killed the And Colombia said, could you please take the tariffs off American products? Right. Which would have because opened up the flow right, of, of American products going into Colombia. Going into Colombia, which, which, would create, unions. which would create more union jobs. Yes. In the United States, yeah, that was it. And the unions had to be against it because they couldn't be for anything that was labeled a free trade agreement. <laughs> it's just, it's just stupid. Yeah, <laughs> that it's was that's going back to like, what? That's almost fifteen years ago, isn't it? It's a long time that went. That's. But you you got to and and you know with the whole again with the right. uh, whether it's the coal miners union or no, we're saving the planet. 
You're not saving your jobs? And, and what happened was because you put the tariffs on, the any product that was sold in Colombia was so dang expensive because they could raise it all the way up. So it was hurting the economy. And so the Colombian government finally realized, well, we need to have these cheaper American products coming in. Number yeah, one, they'll help right. the consumer and they'll help the consumer so the consumer does better and has a better quality of life. Mm. And it will force our companies to be much more competitive, which will also lower the cost of domestic products a- across the board. So they realized, and that's the interesting thing, it was the posterior backwards of how the liberals look at a free trade agreement. Yeah, right. And it's like, well, no, this is the real world consequences. You're looking at it in a delusional world. And when you actually put tariffs on things coming into your country, that means that your own products that can be way over cost, basically you can set up a monopoly, and that means the product isn't as good and it costs more. Right. That's what happens when you have a monopoly. Yep. And that's what happened in Colombia. And then the unions in the United States had to be against it, even though it would have benefited them because the labeling of it was free trade. Yeah. We live in a nation with a lot of idiots. Insane. 866-90-RED-EYE. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll free at 866-90-RED-EYE. It's Run Radio. I'm Gary McNamara. He's Eric Hurley. Coming up following the top of uh, the hour, we'll hear from uh, James Comer, who was on Fox News yesterday, really laying out a lot of a lot of things and the accusations he's making. You know, he's out there saying, yeah, the president's compromised. Mm-hmm. So yeah, this right. is really getting interesting. Bob Ulinsky popped up yesterday, found out that he and his lawyer had contacted the Hunter Biden grand jury saying, we're ready to testify Never heard back. Yeah. Called the They had no interest in, think about this, no interest in Bobby Linsky at all. None. And Comer said, we're calling everybody. And the other thing is they're looking now at, as he we, he, uh, we played the audio the other day where he said, we're going to look at credit cards. We're going to look at, uh, we're going to look at uh, stocks. Yeah. We're, we're right. looking at anything where money could be laundered. Here and we're going to bring everybody in. Yep. And so it's like, hmm, this is uh, interesting. He was asked the question, you know, about what about the tapes that the Burisma president has? Can you, you know, can you get them? And he sort of sidestepped that question. But my thing would be, well, have you talked to them? Have right. you talked to the president right. of Burisma? Right. Is he willing to well, testify? I, exactly. In, in, I want to know if those recordings still exist. Yeah that he allegedly made. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio 
Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. All across America and around the world, we're Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara. Hang on. There's a bug flying around me. Get it? I don't know. I don't think so. It's flying around here, so. Yeah. It might be a skeeter. I had a fly in my truck. <laughs> but he had gas money. <laughs> so that was good. All right. So I think yesterday the Democrats got the biggest scare from Biden that on on any type of issue out there or his cognitive abilities or the uh, the scandal, the allegations mm-hmm. of bribery now. Mm-hmm. Something bigger happened yesterday that scared the daylights out of Democrats. Mm-hmm. And it was the president saying he's not really big on abortion yep. and that terminations in the last three months have to be negotiated. Yep. My question is, there there are a lot of reasons why it's a non-starter on Capitol Hill because none of them, even Democrats, want to get into the whole starting the the process of talking about where life begins or defining that as law. But I wondered, well, did they did the Democrats know it was a non-starter to begin with because everybody inside the Beltway, including everybody on Capitol Hill, knew where Biden stood. Now, he's never been vocal about it, but not like yesterday. No. And and so uh, there's a there's a huge legal problem that the Democrats know they have. If they've got the guy who is their leader stating that the last three months have to be negotiated. Yeah. Now, it takes away. A political argument, mm-hmm. and it challenges all legal arguments out there. It's going to be a defining moment in any legal argument that we have from now until when the world doesn't exist anymore. And as you said, when life begins. But as soon as the president said yesterday that the last three months have to be negotiated, it means he believes that it is a life inside the womb. You've seen Democrats now over the since Dobbs uh, last year come out and say, no, abortion till birth, abortion till birth, abortion Mm -hmm. till birth, abortion till birth. The American public isn't there. No. And as we've stated, that takes away the one political argument that it's a woman's body and she can do whatever she wants. Oh, I'm sorry. It's a birthing person's body no, and they you. can do whatever they want. How dare you? Uh, and that wipes away that argument. And I know because after Dobbs passed, I had five different conversations with pro-choice women. Mm-hmm. Five. And every one of them when they said it's a woman's body and nobody's any business in a woman's body. Oh, so you're for abortion toward t- till birth. Well, no, no, no. I, I think at the later stages, well, then it's not about a woman's body. 
at some point, it's not yeah. about the woman's body, then and, you're and, agreeing. And the look I got from every single one of them was complete confusion. It's like, oh. It was the realization that I've never taken my mind past the point that it's a woman's body. Mm-hmm. Nobody ever threw at me, oh, okay, then you believe in abortion towards birth. Well, no. No, not the last trimester. Well, then it's not about a woman's body. It's about when life begins. Mm-hmm. And that's where the majority of Americans are when it comes to abortion. The president coming out and stating it means that the leader of the Democratic Party believes that life begins, a human life begins in the womb. Mm -hmm. They can't have that because the fear is, as we learn more about technology, that if that's the belief of the population, because the the radical left, which is the Democratic Party, they believe it actually doesn't matter whether it's a life or not. Right. Whether it's a human life to them, they don't care. It's the inconvenience towards the woman that is the only consideration. And that's not where the majority of Americans are. And that's the weak spot. And that's why Democrats terrified yesterday when the president came out and said that. Yeah. Because they cannot have an argument. If 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 they say, as they've been saying, no, I'm for abortion, no matter what, all the way up to birth. Right. Then they never have to argue about when it becomes a life. Yeah. Soon as you say... Last trimester and the president's last three months have to be negotiated. You're admitting that life begins in the womb, and that starts whittling away at the Democrats' arguments, both political and legal. They can't have that. They know that. They know that's. They know that's the weak spot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. And yep. and that's why that's why you have a lot of governors because. You know, when you have, I think it was, was it Florida the past, was it the six-week six, uh, six week or, or 15-week bill? I forgot which one they passed. And you had some conservatives come down and say, you know, no, it's either abortion is banned. Or, and it's like, no, no, what you don't understand is you keep putting restrictions on it. That's mm-hmm. what you do. Mm-hmm. You know, you save the number of lives you can get, but you keep moving in that direction because moving in that direction is where we get the ultimate victory. Right. And that's a debate going on between conservatives right now. All or nothing. It's like, no, we're saving some lives. We're not going to get the all right now. We may get the all with technology when people realize, oh, my gosh, it is a life. Right. You know, 15 years from now, 10 years from now, it's moving in that direction, as we've seen. More Americans now accept restrictions on abortion uh, in the last trimester than in a long, long time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know. Politically, it's still going to be, I think, next to impossible, if not impossible altogether, to define exactly where the life begins, again, politically. Right. It's not what you believe. It's where they would vote, what on Capitol Hill they would vote for in terms of defining exactly where that would be. Well, no, I mean, that's that's the point. That's the confusion of the American public that they're wrestling with right now. Mm-hmm. 
They know it begins in the womb. Right. They just don't know when. Exactly. And that's the same with, with, with Biden, apparently. I mean, there are some, you know, pro-abortion people that don't care. They don't care whether life or not. The woman gets to abort it up to birth. Mm-hmm. And and they're there. The American public isn't there. And I don't see them going there. And that's, as we talked about before, that is the conundrum for the American public. They know it begins in the womb, but they don't know where. And there are a significant portion of people that believe life begins in the womb, but we have to be considerate of of the uh, of of the woman early on in a pregnancy. Mm-hmm. But they even feel guilty about that because they're not sure when it begins. Right. That's why you can't have lawmakers decide it because their constituents haven't decided that. Yeah, you're, they, they haven't, no. And that's what the Supreme Court said. And when I explain to every one of these women what the Supreme Court did, because I said, is the Supreme Court radical for what they did? Absolutely. Well, here's what they did. Is this radical? They said, we can't define what it is. The American public can't define what it is. It's not up to us. We're not dictators. The people of the United States, and right now that would be through the states right now, most of the states, they have to decide through their legislature you know, when it begins, because that hasn't been decided in law, and we don't get to do that. We're not. So, and I told these, and it was interesting because I said, you know how the Democrats said that the Republicans are fascist? They're the opposite of fascist. They said, you get to decide. Hmm. It's the Democrats who say, no, the Supreme Court should decide. I go, why should they? De- why should the Supreme Court decide where life begins? Right. Why shouldn't it be the public? Right. We have in every other aspect of every law, the public decides through their elected representatives, and even the constitutional process is through the elected representatives, through the people. So why does the Supreme Court get to write new law? Every single one of them agreed. Yeah. And they said, well, thanks so much. You helped you helped change my mind on it, or you made me think about it. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the last thing. My argument, I not argument, my discussion I had with those five women is the exact discussion the Democrats don't ever want to have And Biden just brings it to the forefront. Yeah. Right. Well, in a a big way, I don't. It was one of those moments where he clearly didn't read the room. Politically. No. No. And the room being the party. I'm not big on abortion. You know, that last three months, that has to be worked out. It's like he just lobbed that out there. It's like telling the Easter Bunny he's running again. <laughs> Listen, between me and you, Easter Bunny, I'm running. I mean, I know Al Roker was there, but it was really the Easter Bunny who he was confiding in. We all know it. And I think he just lobbed it out there the same way. Ah, I'm not big on abortion. What? What? What did he just say? You know, and, Oh, that's a great point. Just saying that because that's the quote. Yeah. I'm not big on abortion. Yeah. What are you? You're, you're the head of the abortion party. What are you talking about? You need to get big, Jack. <laughs> or however they would say it to him. Come on, man. Serious. Uh, look. I mean, this is where they are as a party on abortion. Not having cognitive ability, the allegations and the evidence piling up about bribes, they don't care about that. When he said, I'm not big on abortion, 
Democrats in Congress went, what the hell's going on yeah, here? No, I mean, it was it. You could feel it. And I thought to myself, I'm waiting for it because nobody can say anything. Here's the problem. You can't come out and say something about it. Now, you're going to be asked about it, I think. I would think. Because here's the thing. You're a liberal activist reporter, right? So you're out there, and then you're still, your head's reverberating from it. You're still trying to, what did he, what did what? he, what's it, where, get the Easter bunny on the phone. And then he, it, and then next thing you, you know, you're over there, uh, you, you, you're talking to uh, uh, a Chuck Schumer or somebody, and then, the, the, because now you're going into emergency mode. You're, well, wait a minute, hold on a second. That he can't just say that. We need to know that we've got, you know, a people on Capitol Hill. Again, if you're an activist, liberal activist reporter. So we need to talk to Schumer or any of the, the top liberals on Capitol Hill and ask them, well, hold on a second. Do you stand with the president? What about you? Are you big on abortion? Are you, you know, they, they need to... And- they need to shore up the support and, for the agenda. And right now, at the anniversary of the the Dobbs decision, yeah, yeah. for him to say, "I'm not big on abortion," I'm not, I'm not big on abortion. By the way, I'm leaving. I'm going to Camp David. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> what? It's like he couldn't even wait for the interview to end completely on MSNBC. I, I got to get out of here. No, I, I, mean, I was but, frankly, I was. You know, there are some many things I know he blurts out stuff. That blew me away no, yesterday. He, I was, was like, it was, Whoa. again, it was one of those moments. Yeah. Where he just lobbed it out there, exactly like his announcement that he was running again, <laughs> which the majority of his party did not want to hear at the time. I think Colbert had a joke about it. I mean, it, and it was clear from a liberal like Colbert, and because they didn't want, they still don't want him to run. And after yesterday, eh, I'm not big on abortion. You know, I wonder if some reporter, I mean, maybe, I don't know, uh, you know, uh, Pete, uh, Pete Ducey could just, you know, put it, get into a rabbit suit and Biden would answer questions from him. Exactly. Just, just follow him around. What? <laughs> hopping behind like, like, him. Like say nothing. Say <laughs> nothing. Just, just have hopping a little basket. Behind him. Just hopping behind With him. With a pen and a notebook in his hand, trying to ask him the president <laughs> questions. Because, well, what the hell? What are you doing that? Well, the only he he, he wouldn't announce to anybody he was running for president. Then the Easter Bunny hangs around. He starts talking to him. So I figured if he likes talking to the Easter Bunny, well, you you know he'd turn around for the photo op. He wouldn't even put the two together. He would just turn around and start doing the photo op. I love the Easter Bunny. Me and Corn Pop used to hang out with the Easter Bunny every Sunday, not just Easter. <laughs> I can't tell you what was in my basket. Has the White House clarified those comments? I didn't see that. No, on on the abortion comments. On the abortion comment. I didn't <laughs> how, see that. Yeah. How 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 do you how do you make that jive? How do you make that work? Well, I'm not going to comment on that. <laughs> I'll defer you, the, the, those questions <laughs> to, to the general counsel. To the general counsel. <laughs> like, let's, let's defer those questions. I we're. we're we're answering hi know. we're out here today for the press conference. We're answering no questions about anything. We're they're gonna get to that point. There are no we'll give you an answer, but it's not gonna be to the question that you're asking. If it's on this topic, this topic, this topic, this topic, this topic, this topic. 
Oh, basically all topics. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. It was just one that lobbed, and everybody was going, what, what did he do? What did he yeah. do? What did he do? What did he say? <laughs> and I really think everyone is still numb from it. I think it's still like yeah. in everybody's mind, especially on the left right now. Yep. 866-90-RED-EYE. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll-free at 866-90-RED-EYE. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Cronin. I'm Gary McNamara. I mean, what's next? Later today, yeah, I'm not really for forgiving student loans. Yeah. <laughs> Pay your debts. I did. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I think we need to cut taxes for the rich. You know, I've done the wrong thing. We need yeah. to secure the border. You know what? We're, I'm sending troops to the border I now. Think, I think I want to build a wall. Yeah. <laughs> he just starts. A wall. He starts lobbing all of these things out. Just, I, I think a well. I think a wall would work. When you actually read the quote here, here's the quote. Now listen to this because this is mind-boggling. Democrats are freaking over this. Yeah. The next three months is between. I mean. Uh, the uh, uh, a woman and her family. That's okay. That's the first three months of pregnancy. Right, right. Biden continued. The next three months is between a woman and her doctor. The last three months have to be negotiated because you can't, unless you are in a position uh, where your physical health is at stake, you can't do it. End of quote. That was a that he that was a line. Mm-hmm. That was a boundary full stop. You yep, can't, can't do, do it. it. And remember, there's only one reason why the Democrats believe that they can win House seats and Senate seats and maybe the presidency. And that, that's the abortion issue. Yep. On the on the issues, not personalities with Trump or whatever. I'm not getting to but just the issue, the issue for Democrats is one that they believe they can win. They know they can't win on the border. They know they can't win on critical race theory. They know they can't win an election uh, based on the the radical transgender activist movement. Right. They know they can't win on inflation. They know they can't win on the economy. The only thing that they believe that they can win on is abortion, and the president just undercut that. Well, he just right there. Just said, yep. After the second trimester, no, no. Wow. What? Who's the last Democrat that said that? I I can't remember. I can't remember. I, we're sorry for the silence. No, we're both <laughs> we're both kind of looking around. I honestly can't. I, I can't tell you the last. And Democrat, he's no. the head of the party right now. Yep. The Bonus Show. 
Trot Out Radio. Hey, uh, Sarah Carly, and I'm Gary McNamara. I'm Here's thinking a... we need to eliminate corporate taxes. <laughs> <laughs> I would just... He just starts rambling, oh, oh. lobbying all these things. <laughs> this this would be Biden you're talking yeah, yeah, about. Biden. Just, He's just going to yeah. start dropping these he, things. He Issue-wise, he couldn't have said anything worse than he said yesterday. And it was actually the detail of it. Yeah. And this is interesting because we talk about the cognitive problems where he can't keep a coherent sentence. Right. And then he keeps totally coherent saying, in the first three months of a pregnancy, should be between a, a woman and her family. Second three months, woman and her doctor. Last three months, you have to negotiate because you can't unless it's the health the, the health of the woman at stake. You just can't do it. Right. My God, I was like, this is just, everybody was quiet. And that's how you knew there was shock Yeah. going through, how do we answer this? The president just came out. As, as you notice... And I don't know if any, it, it, it hasn't been really publicized, but you have had over the last month or so, Democrat after Democrat come out and make it clear they're for abortion till birth. Yeah. And that's when I knew, right. okay, yeah. they understand the fact of the weakness of their argument, both right. politically and legally, unless they do that. I still think it's weak legally. Right. I, yeah. I, I right. believe it's, you know, I, I believe it's weak across the board. They recognized that it's weak, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and and so uh, well, and, and so him doing that just blew that blew me away. No, I that mean, was actually that was actually the bombshell of the day. You know the Bobulinski thing. I mean, we've been talking so much about it, but Bobulinski coming out and saying that his lawyer basically saying, or not basically, but saying, no, yeah, we went to the Hunter Biden grand jury, said we're ready to testify. They never called us. I mean, that was a little bit of a bombshell because it keeps adding more. But this one came out of complete, I won't say left field, <laughs> mm. moderate right moderate right field when he said that. Well, and, because when the decision came out last year, it really sent the left, you know, on this whole new mission of, okay, now we've got to essentially find the abortion sanctuary states, Right. Uh, we got to find and we got to battle against the states that are outlawing it. We got to, you know, we got to this is the it's a renewed agenda on abortion. And. Leading up to 24. Your best bet is to. Say nothing, say that I'm confident that my colleagues on Capitol Hill will be able to address this, and that's what I'm urging them to do. And just leave it. You don't even go. But he drew a line. He did. A boundary that said, after the second trimester, no. Oh. (laughs) I don't know, but he's not going to. You know what? (laughs) He might be uninvited to the White House Correspondents' Dinner next year. That'll get you uninvited. <laughs> Ask Trump. Uh, <laughs> I'm telling you, that was that was uh, mind-boggling. The it, other, was, it was wild. The other thing I was thinking of was with the uh, with the Supreme Court decision on affirmative action. Does that kill reparations? Because reparations, if you are an actually, if you're actually the victim, for example, 
the Japanese reparations were for those people that were interned. Yes. And so you could say there was damage done by the government to you. Right. The Supreme Court, based on the affirmative action ruling yesterday, would strike down reparations. Yeah. As being probably arbitrary. Because right. if you look at it, if if you if you look at reparations, you could say, for example, I mean, I, I was thinking for if you look at in California, you know, gold rush time and everything else. If you look at that time, you could sit there and say, well, if you're going to give reparations to blacks, you have to give it to ancestors of anybody who was from China who was working over here at the time, right? Yeah, and and so I mean, any argument you can make to do it, but you're not talking about anybody that was directly affected by that or you're directly responsible for it. <clears throat> right, exactly. Well, that's the other thing, too. Either, yeah. Right. And, and so you're you're making the case, you know, for enormous amount of uh of, of sums. And I just I thought about that yesterday. I said, I think this dooms reparations, whether it's a shot across the bow, I don't know. Uh, I don't believe it was because they they just they look at one issue at the time. I mean, it was sort of like uh, you, you heard AOC talking about how come the Supreme Court didn't strike down legacy admissions mm. into colleges? Yeah, and right. she had to be reminded because that's not before the Supreme Court of the United States. Right. The Supreme Court doesn't say, "Well, we believe this is unfair." What else is unfair? Yeah, yeah they don't just it, start. Yeah, uh, you know what else? <laughs> Is that fair? Yeah, and it's just in the opinion. And another thing. Another thing. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. No, it doesn't. There has to be a case before and, the court. And so she had to be educated on it a little bit. And so I don't believe there was a shot across the bow. I mean, mm. I, you just wonder politically whether it was. Well, you know. Whether it was viewed politically. that the, Now, look, reparations are dead anyway. Yeah, they're, I was they're, say, they're going They're going through. This is busy work. They're going through the motions the Democrats to pretend they care. Well, but and nobody's it, getting five million bucks. It's it's generational too. You and I have been doing this long enough to see that. All right, it comes about once every generation. The conversation uh, comes back, and so now you look at it, and you had some activists saying, "Well, no, it should be two hundred million," and then people are going, well, "Well, yeah, but we can't do that." And then that opened the door to the question, "Well, then how much can we afford?" Well, wait a minute. We actually can't afford this. If it were, you know, going to cost, uh, what was it? The uh, the the taxpayers, those those who would be paying for it, uh, would be paying. What was it? Six hundred thousand a piece in San Francisco it would have been six hundred and I believe eighty thousand per household. Yeah, uh, and so then it was like, oh, well, wait a minute. Well, we, well, we can't do that. I mean, it it sounds like a good idea, but how are we going to fund it? And it's it gets back to. Uh, other similar items um, of of what uh, agenda items, not similar, but other agenda items where they were looking at it and saying, well, we're going to do this. Oh, you're going to do a single payer system in California. Well, not even California could do it because when they tried to write in a funding mechanism or when one of the um, lawmakers brought up the, uh, the the fact that the there was no funding mechanism in that bill for a single payer system in California, then he he got threats. Yeah, he got death threats. And and so uh, they understand even in Vermont, uh, Bernie's territory, I mean, it's Bernie land, and they knew they couldn't get it done. And why is that? Because you have to talk about the funding. You have to talk about how you're going to pay for it. And then once you start talking about that, everything goes away. 
right. because there's no way to get there. The only way you can pay for it is debt financing on a single-payer system. Yep. So that's why they want it national. Yep, exactly. And 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 they even knew well we can't we we can't afford to uh you know, we can't afford to uh, to do it. But yeah, it was uh, uh when I thought about the reparations yesterday and they I guess California they have the last reparations meeting. Mm. Uh you know, and it that's not going to go I mean, Newsom that was still the funniest when Newsom said That's not about. What that. do you think? Well, you know, it's not all about money. What do you mean? It's the only thing it's about is money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what an idiot. Well, that's it's like, it's like, <laughs> wait, wait. I mean, you know, the weekend's not here yet. We've got all day Friday before, uh, you know, the, the week is fully over. What if Biden just lobs out tomorrow? Ah, I'm not big on reparations. Well, if I'm a, if I'm a liberal in California and you say we need to stop the damage that has been done because of bigotry and racism, my first thing would say, well, instead of spending $200 billion or $300 billion or what was it, 30-something trillion, yeah. whatever, mm-hmm. before we spend that, why don't we spend $100 billion for charter schools and right. have competition to the public schools right. Right. so we can educate right. Because education is what is education is what gets you there, and education at the younger ages is what gets you to success. Because education is not just about what you learn in math, whatever. Right. It's the fact of the learning process gives you the incentive and the wanting to learn more, exactly. and the ability to know you can accomplish things, and you can't be held back because of your color, because you've got it inside of your head. That's where your value is, and that's where you can be productive and, and uh, in the world. And so it has to start at the younger ages to do that. Mm-hmm. Or if you're going to spend, if I'm a liberal, I'm going to say, well, spend that money, spend that money to have competition from, you know, a, from a, a monopoly school system right. that's run by the teachers' union right. that are trying to benefit themselves, and let's benefit the kids. Like the, remember the superintendent of Washington when she quit? She said the unions don't care about the kids. It's yeah, clear. They don't care about the kids. That's why I had to finally come to the conclusion. And, and uh, you know, I had to come to the conclusion, do I care about the kids or do I care about the unions? Well, and no, so that, she, that's it. And, 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 and it starts, that process starts with parents having the freedom of a choice. So, so the levels of opportunity there, and it's something that uh, uh, that that Charles Payne on Fox News was uh, was alluding to yesterday uh, after the affirmative action decision came down, um, and you know he was saying, "Look, we need to focus more on the actual education our children are getting." So it's a moot point when they reach college age and start thinking about college that our kids. Uh, uh, are going to have more choices because they have a greater education all along the way. I'm paraphrasing, but that was that was the essence of his message, uh, which is, I think, the, the exactly what it should be. It's exactly why conservatives have been pushing for this kind of choice. And parents, it's not just conservatives. It's parents all over America. When you open the door to that conversation, parents were saying, yes, give us a choice. But the unions would shut it down. The Obama administration even wanted to go after them, go after the states that were going to do that. And their excuse was, well, 
the kids left behind in the public schools, there wouldn't be enough money to fund the public schools. Because the competition works? Because the process well, works? Well, wait a minute. There's not money for that. There's not money for reparations. Exactly. That would, that, if I'm a liberal, yeah. I'm making that argument. We're going to yeah. spend tons of money anyway. Right. Spend the money on the schools. Right. Because that's the key to success. That competition want, then yeah. will mean, and it what will it mean? It will mean mm-hmm. then all of those parents are working uh, harder to get those kids into those schools, and ultimately they all get an opportunity at a much better education. I'm reading here that the uh, the final meeting occurred just over a month after the nine-member panel officially recommended that the California State Legislature allocate funds uh, for reparations. According to the task force recommendations, certain qualifying black Californians could receive up to $1.2 million in reparations. I can't wait. Get this thing done. Oh, yeah. Get it to the legislature. Let's, Get it to the governor's desk. Let's go. Yep. Come on. What are we waiting on? Reality? Yeah. Right. Fisc- fiscal reality? Yeah. 866-90-RED-EYE. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. Front Eye Radio, he is Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Coming up following the uh, top of the hour, uh, James Comer on Fox News uh, mm-hmm. yesterday letting out a ton of information, yeah. saying the president is compromising, getting more specific on where he believes the president has been compromised right. uh, in in the past. So really interesting is that thing. Every single day something comes out, then the Bobby Linsky thing. Every single day something comes out. Nothing ever goes in the direction of justifying what the FBI and the Justice Department did. Right. No, it doesn't. Nothing. Nothing no. ever. There's not. Since this whole thing started, You're and we look for those things. It's like, okay, what's the argument back? What's the argument back? What's the argument back? There isn't any except the generic thing. Uh, we're insulted that you would think that uh, we uh, don't. Uh, apply justice equally. Yeah, right. You need to shut up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and then, and then there comes the whistle. There comes the whistleblower. I did see though. Uh, there was some analysis talking about how uh, one article was the New York Times how they covered it. What Republicans say are whistleblowers. Oh yeah, 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 and they're yeah, putting yeah, them yeah. In quotes. No, I did see yeah, that, yeah. and it's like. These so-called whistleblowers. Well, no. <laughs> Nobody at the Justice Department is saying, well, but that is that goes in line. I guess that's the next logical step with the idea of, oh, this is hearsay. Well, hold on. You're not in court. Well, they're looking. You can tell, though, they're looking for. We were saying they don't have anything. They got to be looking for something. And when I saw that yesterday, I said, yeah. see, this is how hard they're trying. They're trying right. to discredit them. How can we? We've got nothing. How do we discredit them? Call them the Republicans' so-called whistleblowers. Yeah, so-called whistleblowers. <laughs> wow. This is Red Eye Radio.
on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. All across America and everywhere else, we're Red Eye Radio. Good morning. Yeah, we are. He is Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara. What a day it was yesterday. Uh, that's the one thing. Uh, I was talking, I think it was my dad, uh, probably about noon yesterday. He said, how are things going? I went, show's done. <laughs> yeah. That's done very That quickly. happens a lot lately. Yeah. Like, don't even get through half the day. Well, there's like, so much. I wake up. I wake up. I look at my phone and say, oh, show's done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It but, is absolutely insane. We haven't even, think about this. Three hours into the show, we haven't even talked about the 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 Bidens and bribery or anything. I know. Just that's how much news there's been. Well, look, you couldn't pay me to talk about bribery. <laughs> you the, could uh, pay me. <laughs> the, uh, because I'm <laughs> the McNamara's are the best. At it. it. Yeah, we're it's not about best. the money. We're the best at what we do, and it's not about the money. It's not about but the money. But don't you dare cut back on what you were going to pay me. But it's not about the yeah, money. Yeah, you better get it to me quick, but it's uh, not about the money. It's not about the money. It's the principle. Yeah. We're, princ- we're principled, bri- principled bribe takers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's not about the money. But you better get that money to me quick. Was not the best this week, though. Oh no! It on, was... on, on the view, on the yeah, view. yeah. And this is a story about a a father and his love for his son. <laughs> this scandal is about a father trying to help his son. Well, you know something. Maybe in the midst of it, the father should have said, "Hey." Uh, if he, uh, if the father is completely innocent in all of this, the father should have said, why the hell are you using my name? Yeah. Why are you telling people you're going to do stuff for me? What's the scuttlebutt that I hear coming back? What are all these bank accounts being open? Why is Jim and and Frank and, and the grand, why are they all getting money? Why are they getting checks? Where's all this coming from? What are, what are you doing in... And whatever drug you're doing, can I have some of it too? <laughs> yeah. How are you? Are you? Are people paying you to smoke crack? Are you? What's do, going on? Are you doing that limitless drug? Yeah. Like the, like, like the movie. Yeah, because you don't look like that. He looked like right. the beginning. He looked like Bradley Cooper at the beginning of the movie. <laughs> I know. We've seen all. You're the, doing it wrong. We've seen all the pictures. How? If, if if this is all that's going on, how do you have time? Who is setting up? All of these bank accounts. Who's setting up all of these LLCs? Why is the entire family getting cash? I got to know. Don't you think the president, as a loving and good father, should have said that? But as we see yesterday, when uh, after The View said that everything is family uh, to uh, Biden, mm. uh, the uh, granddaughter in the deal will no longer have the Biden's last name. Mm. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. 
Well, he's not big on children. By the way, I'm only I'm laughing at the, my laughter comes from the view, stating that he's such a family man. He's such a family man, uh-huh. and then just like you know, we'll never recognize the granddaughter. We'll never yeah. recognize my legitimate granddaughter. Yeah. This he's. He's a family he's all about man. His family. family, except for her. I mean, so he's all family. about his family. I mean, he's, he doesn't like young family, but he clearly likes family. Yeah, just yeah. Oh, well, maybe if she uh, grows up and becomes a crack addict, she'll get more attention. I don't know. Ooh. Mm. No, I'm gonna say that's brutal. <laughs> I mean, true, but brutal. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm, it's. <laughs> It's uh, it's brutal because it, it is true, right? Yeah, this is this is the um, you know this is the entire approach. Look, hey, hold on a second. Ah, what if she's peddling influence later in life? And the big guy's gonna, you know, you're a Biden. You're a real Biden. <laughs> Come back into the family. Yeah, Hunter Biden's ex business associate Tony Bobulinski. Yeah. And his lawyers contacted the U.S. attorney leading the investigation into President Biden's son, offering to testify before the federal grand jury, but never heard back from prosecutors. Hmm. Bob Ulinsky, who worked with Hunter Biden to create the joint venture, Sinohawk Holdings, with the Chinese energy company CEFC, was interested in providing testimony to the federal grand jury collecting evidence as part of the years-long investigation into the president's son, a source familiar with the matter told Fox News Digital. The source told Fox that Bob Ulinsky's lawyers reached out to U.S. Attorney for Delaware David Weiss and said Bob Ulinsky was available. The source told Fox News that Bob Ulinsky and his lawyers never heard back from them. The source said the lawyers were baffled by the fact that the prosecutors never sought Bobulinski's testimony. Hmm. Bobulinski would have been able to provide information about Hunter Biden's business dealings, specifically related to the joint venture with CEFC and whether President Biden himself was involved. The information comes after the Iowa's whistleblowers testified that the federal investigation into Hunter Biden was influenced by politics. There's no reason to not, there's no reason. To not put him before the grand jury. None. Right. If you are truly concerned about justice. Right? Right. Well, uh, because I would think, all right, look, if you believe he's lying, then let him lie to a grand jury. Yeah, exactly. Right? Well, that's another thing. When you look at it, and it is no small thing that every single person we know now that has come forward has been willing to testify under oath. The yep. whistleblowers. Right. Uh, and, and the so-called and, and, whistleblowers, and Bob Ulinsky, Bob, Bob uh, the Republican-led so-called whistleblowers. Yeah, <laughs> it's the New York Times yeah, the other day. Right, but uh, Bob Ulinsky uh, has already testified to the FBI, and yeah, he right. and so he's been. You know, he he's everything he testified for. If he was lying, yep, you can go to jail for that. Yep. So Bob Ulinsky is willing to go under oath and has all the whistleblowers have. Well, I mean, again, if 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 I am Hunter's attorney, I reach out and say, yeah, hey, we support Bob Ulinsky testifying before a grand jury. We think he's lying, and that's where we want him. Yep.
Let him set himself up. If you think he's lying, if your client is innocent, then you need to support that completely. Have him on record officially testifying before a grand jury and not telling the truth. That comes with a penalty. Oh, wait. Unless he's telling the truth. So the Bob Ulinsky thing just added another another little piece of evidence yep. that, you know, that the Department of Justice doesn't want to investigate it. And no. you and I have been waiting for any type of legitimate pushback from the Department of Justice. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you got the right. generic stuff from uh, from uh, Merrick Garland a week ago. Mm-hmm. They've been quiet for a week then. Nothing. Yeah, right. And as soon as the whistleblower uh, information came out about the fact that, what are you talking about, David Weiss did tell six people, six witnesses were there. Here are the witnesses. There hasn't been a peep out of the Department of Justice nope. on this at all. Nope. Nothing. Nope. They've gone totally silent on it. There's really been no blowback at all. There's been no blowback from Republic, or excuse me, from Democrats, except for the oh poor Hunter was a crack addict. Uh huh. That's been it. Yep. And I think before that, it was just Jamie Raskin saying it's all hearsay evidence. Yeah, exactly. Well, what do you mean hearsay? And you're not in court yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it doesn't. Open. And then Raskin's been quiet on this. Yeah. And when we saw yesterday that you know some of the uh, analysis that the New York Times was referring to the Republican-led so-called whistleblowers. Uh That's when we went, wow, they're trying to find everything they can to to try to destroy the reputations of at least uh, Shapley. I know they are. Shapley, whatever. I know they have to be because that was an indication. They're looking for anything. What can we do? Okay, call them. Call them the Republican-led so-called whistleblowers. Mm -hmm. And it was pointed out in the analysis, they've never said that about any of the other whistleblowers that have come forward. Why would these be so-called whistleblowers? Right. Well, because it's it's Republican-led, the investigation, so they become so-called whistleblowers. Mm -hmm. But that's where you can see uh, the the bias in the the media. Yeah. But it also shows they're looking and trying to get anything because that was so incredibly petty and they still put it in there anyway knowing it would be obvious it would show their incredible bias they don't care because they're political activists Mm -hmm. but it does show everybody else because that's the question why aren't they demonizing you know the you know uh uh uh, shapley on this right why aren't they going crazy uh they're not really going after bob ulinski you know they really never did that much uh, it was so early, they just didn't pay attention to what he had to say, if you remember. Right. And so uh, that's another thing that you can look at and say, why? And I want to stress again, because I think it's so important to differentiate this from the Donald Trump colluded with the Russians investigation. They were always allegations chasing evidence. Yeah. Yeah. And Mueller. Fishing expedition. Right. Mueller was appointed to do a fishing expedition for the generic statement 
that Trump colluded with the Russians to hack or uh, to uh, 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 to hack or change the outcome of the election. Now go find how he did that. Mm-hmm. And they couldn't find anything, as we know. In fact, once the investiga- when the investigation started, they knew they had nothing, including from the dossier. Right. And they knew that everything was suspicious. That's why they didn't go. Because if you truly believed, if you said, okay, where do we go to get the best evidence against Trump? Trump colluded with the Russians. Where do we go? Wow. The FBI got a secret warrant to spy on his campaign? Mm -hmm. My God, that has to be some damning evidence. We've got to go and get that warrant immediately. And they never went down that path. Why? Because they knew that the dossier was bogus. Well, and see how the two conflict, right? The assignment of Mueller as special prosecutor. Go see if this happened. Well, you know something was going on because you were able to justify a warrant for somebody in his campaign. Right. You already know this. Yeah, so you got evidence. You got evidence. Or do you? Yeah, they didn't. And, and they, they've and, never and, seen and I mean, nobody's ever pointed right. out that that conflict in those those two areas. Well, right. that would be easy because you got the justification for the warrant on Carter Page. Yep. Right. So you don't have to look very far. Mueller should have been able to walk in and go, okay, let's get it. Oh, they didn't do that. They didn't go back that far. Because they knew the dossier was bogus by exactly. the time. And, and so in this, but in this case against Joe Biden... None of it is allegations searching for evidence. No. All of it is evidence and tying it together and allegations coming out from whistleblowers. And the major evidence still so far has come from Hunter Biden himself. And what he has written and what he has said and what is on his laptop that was verified as legit by the FBI in December of 2019. Mm-hmm. They knew almost immediately. It was. In, oh, yeah. It looks like it was within days they knew it was his lap. They knew it wasn't Russia disinformation. So when, when the media was saying it was right, possible Russia disinformation and wasn't going to carry it, when the, uh, when the intelligence officials all came out, and said it might be Russia disinformation, the FBI knew that was bogus Yep, at that time and never said a word. Nope. But nope. the evidence is Hunter Biden himself. The evidence is Treasury Department suspicious activity reports that were filed by banks who were looking for possible fraud, money laundering, or whatever, the typical signs they look for. And those were sent right to the U.S. Treasury Department and it was Hunter Biden and all of those bank accounts that the family was using and the whistleblowers that have all been under oath. Yep. Yep. And so it's a completely different ball game here, and they know it. Coming up far in the bottom of the hour, we will get to some of the uh, the, the interview that, uh, uh, that uh, James Comer did uh, with um, uh, Fox News yesterday mm. with the morning show. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was interesting stuff that he brought up because he's making now more uh, allegations. That on the way, 86690 Red Eye. Hi, I'm Jen Loomis, a transport safety expert at J.J. Keller. And I'm here to share a tip on compliance, safety, accountability. 
Compliance Safety Accountability, or CSA, is the FMCSA Safety Compliance and Enforcement Program. Its goal is to hold motor carriers and drivers accountable for highway safety and to reduce crashes, injuries, and fatalities on our roads. CSA does this by assessing the safety performance of motor carriers and drivers based on data collected during roadside inspections, crash reports, and FMCSA investigations. Based on the data that is compiled, motor carriers are assigned a score. The carrier is then grouped with other carriers who have had a similar number of safety events. Carrier scores within the group are then ranked to determine intervention priority. Low scores are better, so carriers with the highest scores are those that are most likely to be targeted for intervention by the FMCSA. Interventions range in severity and may include warning letters, roadside, off-site, or on-site inspections, civil penalties, or operation out-of-service orders. This tip was brought to you by J.J. Keller & Associates. Visit us at jjkeller.com. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll-free at 866-90-RED-EYE. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. And then yesterday, Hunter Biden was uh, deposed as part of the lawsuit against him by the Delaware laptop repair shop owner. Yeah. Uh, what's his name? John Paul Isaac, is it? Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. John Paul Isaac filed a lawsuit against Biden in October of 2022 in Delaware for defamation. Biden filed a countersuit in March alleging that uh, he that the uh, uh, computer shop owner illicitly distributed Biden's personal data and accused him of six counts of invasion of privacy. He's got no case there. No. Yeah. Mm. So, uh, but Biden was deposed yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. And and the, the customer did not return the laptop within 90 days, and Matt Isaac could not get in touch with him. He uh, said he first searched the emails by keyword in June or July mm. of 2019. Mm. So... Yeah. I think legally he's fine because they would have gone after him early on. Right. So, yeah, the. Uh, be interesting to see. I just want to I, I can't I can't wait to see what the legal issues of that, whether it even gets to court or not. Right. If you're Hunter Biden, would you want that to get to actual? No court. N- no. No, I mean, that's the door. Think about. The laptop in the shop That's the, is the door to all of it. Right. But And the thing is, too, we now know that the uh, because of the whistleblowers, we now know the FBI knew the laptop was legit yeah. in December of 2019. Right. So there's no question about anything there. Right. And so they're trying to say that he did something illegally. There's nobody has made that accusation. Nope. Nobody in no. law enforcement no. that the computer shop owner did anything that was wrong. Right. Wow. Yeah, you don't want that getting to court.
You're listening to Red Eye Radio from the Uniden America Studios. And he's Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara, 866-90-RED-EYE. Download our Red Eye Radio app today, and you can listen when you want. And thank you. That's right. You can listen to the show. We uh, we record the show. That's our podcast. Mm-hmm. We feel five hours. Somebody asked me that the other day. Was your podcast your show? It's like, well, yeah. Mm-hmm. We do five hours. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. We that's, do. That's enough. All right. Mm-hmm. Let's hear from Representative James Comer, uh, who was uh, on uh, the uh, Fox Morning Show, Fox and Friends, uh, yesterday. And he's always throwing out, you know, more information. And yesterday he, you know, did it again, talked about where the president might be compromised and more. I mean, look, Joe Biden has, on day one, he changed our energy policy in America that uh, put China first and America last. He went in on day one and and ended the China initiative, which was an investigation at all our public universities of a very organized Chinese spy ring where China was sending students to universities to steal our research and development. So you're saying because members of the the Hunter Biden family and the extended Joe Biden family got money Mm -hmm. through various foreign entities, including Uh, things like things from China, mm -hmm. that the president is compromised. Absolutely. Absolutely. How's he compromised? He's compromised because he's taken so much money from China. Uh, When you go in and you end the China initiative, which every university president, even the most liberal university president said is a problem. These Chinese students are coming over here. Uh, You go in a research lab in any university, whether it's in Kentucky or in an Ivy League school, and there are Chinese students in there. They ended that because they said that was racial profiling. That was discrimination. But the university presidents, even the most liberal ones, right. wanted that. They ended that. That's what an example of a policy found? decision. What else have you found? Because the panel has identified six policy decisions that indicate mm-hmm. he may have been compromised. We also think that he fired the prosecutor in He bragged about it. He bragged about it. He's talked about it. That was beneficial to Burisma. <laughs> That's what the bribe in the FBI Form 1023 was all about. They wanted to right. uh, get Joe Biden to terminate that prosecutor because they were wanting to come to the United States and start an initial public offering, and they couldn't right. do it if they were under investigation in Ukraine. Now, that's important that he brought that up. Mm. You've got to, I mean, as we have said, if you're going to start talking about it, you need to complete it. Why? You know, what was the reason? And that isn't talked about enough. When you talk about the bribe in Burisma, well, you know, what did Burisma want? Right. You know, and you've got to always get to that point. What did they want? They wanted something, obviously, for paying that, you know, for, for paying the money. Uh, and and so what did they want? And he said he, what they wanted. They wanted to come in and do some investing here in the United States, and they couldn't do it while under investigation. Right. Yep. And that makes sense. Right. I mean, that so far, that is the one that you could tie in. As of everything that he said, you know, now you're 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 talking about the fact of when he said, um, you know, the um, the the Chinese initiative, which was United States looking at universities to see if the Chinese were sending students to be spies. And all these colleges wanted, you know, this to be done. And Biden pulled it. Nope, that's racial profiling. We can't do that. Right. Of course, it's not racial profiling. It's looking at what it's not looking at what any Chinese Chinese person is doing. They're not going and saying 
you're an American Chinese family that have been here. We're going to start investigating you. Right. This is specifically those that are coming from China to the United States, knowing that this is going on. And so you're going to have to find the tie-in to that. You've got, apparently, he believes he's got the tie-in. And by the way, he explained it with Burisma. They wanted to invest. Well, that's easy. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Uh, for China, all right, who did you give to in China that may have talked to somebody that was part of trying to stop that program and was paying you specifically to stop that program? Was it the Chinese energy company? Right. Representative? Right. Was he attempting to do that? Mm. Now, Comer didn't say that. And you've got to, in any of these things, you've got to complete, as we have said, connect the dots. Yeah. And on the right. Breesman thing, he connected the dots immediately. Well, they wanted they wanted to invest here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They wanted to, you know, they wanted companies here in the United States. They couldn't do it while under investigation. Okay, that's a that would be a reason to take a bribe, right? That would be the incentive, uh, the incentive behind it. Now, it'd be interesting to know uh, what the energy company, especially with the threat that Hunter Biden put on that Chinese energy official, you want to know at that point. Okay, what did they want for that? Because that, or what did they get for that? Because that threat was after Biden was vice president, making it, you know, making it implying that they got something. That right, they hey, we did our part. Right, we did our part. Your part was to pay us. So what was done? Right, and, and now, that was in July and, of 2017. Right. And now you're trying to lowball us. Yeah. On, on on what the commitment actually was. Well, that in, and that implies, and uh, I would like to know the timeline. It doesn't actually imply a timeline, but certainly you can put it together. If that message, that WhatsApp message, was written at the end of July of twenty seventeen, six months after uh, uh, Biden was no longer vice president, was what they promised delivered during the time he was vice president right. and then the payment didn't arrive on time right because that awfully sounds like and i'm just talking saying this uh, because of my experience as a bill collector mm-hmm. a former bill collector about six months is when you start really getting serious <laughs> well and and there's the thing you don't okay, like those six month delinquencies he's at that point biden is no longer vice president so he's right. no and no longer in, in a position to uh, to do anything with with any power whatsoever, uh, and you're you're kind of whatever is owed to you if you're Hunter is lingering, and you're thinking, well, they're just going to walk away, and they got this for free, right? Because there was, without question, a sense of extreme urgency. Yeah, like tonight. We want it done now. Let's hear more from uh, uh, Comer uh, yesterday on Fox News. Repeatedly lies about the role he plays in this organization. Tony Bobulinski says they met at the Beverly Hilton Hotel and they talk, says, take care of my family. Good luck the rest of the way. He's never been asked, do you know who Tony Bobulinski is? Uh, He set up all these international deals. When they stabbed him in the back, Mm -hmm. he came and did what he did. He told everyone the truth. So we know this, the CEFC Chinese contact, he would know a lot. Mm -hmm. Those tapes in Ukraine 
would tell a lie. Right. So what are you doing to get these people that have mm -hmm. disappeared? Well, we're going to start bringing people in for depositions. We're starting with Devin Archer. Uh, we'll hear from Bobolinsky very soon. All the people that were on the inside of these so-called business deals, they're going to be able to tell exactly what the Bidens did in exchange for this money. And here's the big thing. They're going to tell what Joe Biden knew and how involved Joe Biden was in the family schemes. And I think that's the most important thing that will come out of the depositions. What did Joe Biden know and when did he know? In it? the WhatsApp, he says, my family is better at delivering, Absolutely. to paraphrase, than anybody else. Mm -hmm. How many more WhatsApp messages are there out there? We think there are several more. But again, Have you asked Apple for them? Well, we're going to. We're going to request phone records. We're going to do a lot of subpoenas with respect to credit card rece right. receipts. I mean, there there is... A lot of information out there that no one's tried to get. One thing you've, we've learned from all the whistleblowers is the federal government never investigated right. the Bidens for bribery. Regarding that WhatsApp message, that was after Joe Biden was out of office. That's right. So he was no longer vice mm -hmm. president. Do you have any evidence that, that shows that Joe Biden himself, I mean, mm -hmm. you're saying he's compromised. Joe Biden ever take money that you can figure out? You, you got, I know you're putting together yeah, all these right. big puzzle pieces. But do you have the goods on Joe Biden? When, yes. When Joe Biden was vice president, he went to Romania to talk about foreign policy and foreign aid. Days after he left Romania, while he was vice president, money started wiring to the different shell companies for the Biden family to the tune of a million dollars. Right. Twelve of 13 payments made from the Romanian foreign national to the Biden shell so companies So you've got the, you've got the financial while he was vice president. Do you have anybody who says the reason he's getting that money is because he did this? Stay tuned for these depositions. Is, You're going to be very interested in who these is, depositions. Who's responsible for this? Why does this family get a pass? Why are they able to get away with all of this? A lot of the whistleblowers have said the same thing. When I said, how do you justify this? How does the FBI justice justify this? How does the DOJ justify this? And they said, because they believe in their heart the alternative is worse. They hate Donald Trump. They don't want to see Donald Trump come back in office. Joe Biden, in their, in their mind, right. was a better deal than, than Donald Trump. And they have gone in well, why so they deep on covering this up. They they're not going to stop. Then they could have found a different candidate. Yeah. But what's, what problem, the problem is is that William Barr was attorney general when that laptop was authenticated mm -hmm. by the FBI. Mm -hmm. Did Bill Barr know that? Did Donald Trump know that? Bill Barr was told that the laptop was Russian disinformation. Even though we know the FBI knew so they lied it was, to Bill Barr. They lied to Bill Barr. Okay, that's that was important because you and I asked those questions. What did Barr know? Yeah, so because Comer we haven't heard stated, anything from Barr. Yeah, so Comer is now state. By the way, I do think that they uh, the Republicans do need uh, and will offer our services somebody who can disseminate all the important things each and every day so you're completing more dots. Yes. And because we'll, it, because and what's your price? What are you willing to do it for? <sighs> not that it's about the money. No, it's not about the money. But <laughs> if it were about the money, it would be two billion. <laughs> Theoretically, no. But that was important because you and I asked the Bill Barr question. Uh, you know, and and what Comer's saying is they lied to Bill Barr. Mm. Wow. Yeah. Let's continue yeah. here. Lied to Bill Barr. I don't know that, but I know that Bill Barr was told the, the laptop was Russian disinformation. And remember, this is at a time when you had some conspiracy theorists around Donald Trump that were coming in and making lots of accusations. Some of them ended up being true. Some of them didn't. But Bill Barr relied on the FBI to tell him, look, when, when they got this bribery form, 
this is all Russian disinformation. But we know in October they, they authenticated it. Right. So real quick. Uh, now, we, he just said there when Bill Barr, he's saying Bill Barr saw the bribery thing. Yeah. Right. And he yeah. was told it was disinformation. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Barr needs to come out and say that himself. No, I think that that's something that needs to be heard. That's something we need to hear from him. Yeah. There are a lot of things we need to hear from him on, by the way. Well, then he should be called. That's exactly where I was going. He should be called. Yep. Call him up. Right. And then when you do all the depositions, that's when you've got the case, and that's when you have the public testimony. Well, because here's the thing. We're not going to get it from Merrick Garland. We're not going to get anything out of Merrick Garland. We know that. Uh, What did they have to tell Christopher Wray to get anything out of him? We've we, already seen the documents. Yeah, we have the evidence. And, that, that, you're, and, and even, that you're implying to us doesn't exist. And even then, we're not even close to full cooperation from the FBI, from FBI leadership. No, I, I think it's shut down completely. So now, oh my gosh, we may have just hit something here. You said it. If Barr testifies and reveals a great deal of stuff as the former AG. It's all over but the crying. Because there are two ways that that testimony goes, or deposition. He's either going to say, I wasn't in on the day-to-day, blah, 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 blah. I would have a hard time believing he was not briefed on a daily basis. You're telling me that the the son and the and a uh, and the former vice president at that time himself are involved in and you didn't know anything about it? Yeah, you did. And what is it? Well, Comer saying he was lied to. Yep, exactly. Well, hmm. I don't I I don't know that I believe that. I'm not sure. You know how you find out? Well, I'm well, from what I get, he is saying that based on the fact that Bill Barr told him that. Mm-hmm. That's that's how it was that's how what I got out of that. Yeah, well, okay. Cuz that's the only mm-hmm. reason he could say, "Well, no, Bill Barr was lied to cuz mm-hmm. Bill Barr told me." Otherwise, he can't answer that. Well, and and, and I'm always looking for exaggeration from Comer. Just from any Republican, because yes, I don't want yes. them to do what exactly. Democrats do. Right, right. Eight six six ninety Red Eye. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll free at eight six six ninety Red Eye. In Trot Eye Radio, he is Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. One thing that has frustrated us throughout this whole investigation is when even conservative commentators and news people have an opportunity to, to interview James Comer, they never ask the questions that we want asked. Yeah, and, right. And right. I've got to give credit uh, to Fox and Friends. They were asking every single question that we wanted asked. 
yep. the, the yep. things that are sitting right. out there yeah. where we're amazed. And that's why we say they need some kind of marketing team to disseminate this information and put out the strong talking points each and every day because yep. they're not doing it. Yep. But thank goodness, Fox and Friends, a great job at asking the right questions to Comer yesterday. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was a three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord. We get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen.